Thanks for joining us today for the Lighthouse Church Podcast. We love hearing stories about how this podcast and how our church encourages and allows us to use God's Word to reach others not just in our area, but all over the world. If you got a story about something you've heard on this podcast that has made a difference in your life, let us know by emailing us at amen at lighthouseag.com. We'd love to hear about it. Also, if you'd like to help this ministry financially, you can do so online at www.lighthouseag.com by clicking on the online giving and help us bring this message and others like it to you each week. Thanks for joining us. We encourage you to open your heart and minds today to experience a word from God. I want you to know what leaders want you to know about offense. We've been doing a series on that. And one of the challenges that leaders have to deal with is their own offense and people who are offended. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 19 says this, an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city and disputes are like barred gates of a citadel. I'll read that to you one more time. An offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. Now let's be honest. There are some people who are easily offended. In fact, when you walk around them or you're near them, you sometimes feel like perhaps you're walking on eggshells because you never know what you're going to say and how they're going to take it and which time they're going to laugh and smile at you and which time they're going to scowl at you. These are people who oftentimes they have problems on their jobs and they have problems with their family and they have problems with their neighbors. And you need to be careful in dealing with people like that because typically the next time they have a problem, it may be with you, okay? The first thing I want to point out to you just quickly is that people who are easily offended are not walking in love. I'll say it to you one more time. People who are easily offended are not walking in love. The person who is easily offended usually thinks that other people aren't walking in love. There's no love in this church. There's no love in this family. There's no love. And so oftentimes a person who's easily offended blames everybody else for not walking in love. And they can't see that perhaps there may be areas of their lives where they're the one who is not walking in love. 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what love is. And in verse 5, it says of love, speaking of love, it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. Well, people who are easily offended oftentimes are very good at keeping records of wrongs. You ever notice that? Because they can go through the list of all of the people who have done that. And oftentimes, if we're honest, in marriages and in families, people keep some pretty good records. Some of them should be accountants, okay? Like forensic accountants, because they know exactly what the other person owes them. They can trace it back a long ways and have good memories as to what they are owed, as it were. 
according to scripture, this verse, it says that love does not dishonor others. And so what love does is love rejects negative thoughts or negative statements about other people, okay? When you're walking in love, one of the crazy thing is, is if I have, there's a study about this. If I have a good opinion about you, or now let's change it around. Let's say you have a good opinion about me, and I do something stupid, which I've done a few times before. If you have a good opinion about me, and you think, well, pastor's a pretty good guy. You know, he's not so bad. I think he's, he's a pretty good guy. And I can do something stupid, and you will not even notice it. You will overlook it. You'll be like, well, I'm sure he didn't mean it that way. But now, if you have a negative outlook towards a person, pretty much everything that they do is called into question, okay? And so, the scripture says that love does not dishonor others. And so, love's going to reject the negative statements about others, the negative attitudes towards others. Love is going to give the other person kind of the benefit of the doubt. You see what I'm saying? They say, well, they did that on purpose. No, they wouldn't do that on purpose. I'm sure that that was an accident. I'm sure she didn't mean that when she said that. She doesn't mean that. I'm sure that you misunderstood that. That's what love does. Love does not dishonor or think negatively about others. It says that love is not self-seeking. And so what that really tells us is that love doesn't think about itself a lot. It's not just not selfish. It's that when we're walking in love, we're really not thinking about ourselves. And in our prayer time, we do a prayer model, and we talked about this. And, and I talked about at Jen's home, whenever the granddaughter comes in. When the granddaughter comes to Mark and Jen's house, the focus goes off of themselves, and the focus goes upon their granddaughter. It doesn't matter that there's some laundry that needs done. It doesn't matter that there's some bills to be paid. And, you know, maybe, it, maybe their normal time is at 2 o'clock they take a break for a coffee break. 2 o'clock comes, they're not worried about getting their coffee. They're worried about feeding their granddaughter. You see that? And so the reality of it is, is when you're walking in love, your thoughts are not so much upon yourself. Your thoughts are upon other people. It goes on to say, it is not easily angered. And it keeps no record of wrongs. So here's the bottom line. When a person is walking in love, they are difficult to offend. Okay? When you're walking in love, I want you to write it down. And I want you to say it to yourself. When I'm walking in love, it's hard to offend me. You kind of have to try. Someone has to try pretty hard to offend us when we're walking in love. And if you are often offended by others, you may be the one who's not walking in love, okay? The second thing I want you to point out to you is that godly leaders have a responsibility to not purposefully offend others. And in my notes, I wrote, wait for the full explanation, okay? Because there's some people who say, well, they're going to be offended. That's too bad. That sounds like they're going to need to get over it. The truth's the truth. There are some people who justify what they say because they say it's the truth. But we realize this, that Jesus was full of truth and what? 
and grace. Okay? So Jesus wasn't just full of truth. He was full of grace and truth. And that's what we should be like. We should be full of grace and truth. Yes, people need to hear the truth. Yes, there are things that are going to offend them. Yes, there are things that are going to hurt people's feelings. But we need to be full of both grace and truth. The Apostle Paul said this of his ministry in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Paul said, he said, We put no stumbling blocks in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardship, in distress, in beatings, imprisonment, in riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, in hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as impostors, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing yet possessing everything. The Apostle Paul was willing, because he was one who was walking in love, He was willing to suffer and do without rather than put a stumbling block in the path of those God had called him to minister to. So Paul says, I'm going to do everything I can. If someone's going to suffer a difficulty, I willingly choose to be the one who suffers so that in no way that I'll put a stumbling block in another person's path and hinder them from hearing the gospel and hinder them from receiving the teachings that he wanted to instruct them with. That being said, even though Paul tried not to cause needless offense, offense is going to come. Look to the person next to you and say, offense is going to come. You see, Jesus and his teachings are offensive to some. And if you teach what Jesus taught, some will be offended. If you guide people in his ways, his ways are going to be a stumbling block to some. His ways are going to be offensive to some. In fact, Peter writes about this. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 7, he says, Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. A stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And here, listen to what he says. They stumble, why? They stumble because, what's it say? Because they disobey the message. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they're destined to do. So why did some stumble? Why do some Why are some offended? According to Scripture, according to the the Apostle Peter, Peter said that to some Jesus, this rock is precious. To others, it's a stumbling block to them. 
And then he says, well, why is it that they stumble? The reason why they stumble is because they disobey the message. Godly leaders who proclaim the truth are always going to have a segment of people who are offended. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you butter it up, no matter how you try to put a little, you know, I don't think there's a problem with adding cherry flavor to cherry medicine. There's nothing wrong with adding, with adding a little cherry flavor to a bad tasting message or a bad tasting medicine. I think that's fine. There's, I don't think there's a problem with that. But no matter how much you do that, you can be assured that if you're going to preach the gospel, if as a parent, you're going to take a stand for what is right and what is acceptable, you're going to, at times, create offense. I was thinking what I should have had was, uh, you know, I said that a, a sh- surely offense would come. I should have put up like a video of one of those guys from the funny videos, like running in, into a fence. Because eventually you're going to run into a fence called the gospel. God's standards. God says, wait, this is all the further that you can go. And you're eventually going to run into that fence. Okay, where God draws a line and he says, here's a boundary that I don't want you to go over. Well, whenever I want to go over those boundaries, it's offensive to me that you put boundaries on me. I want to be a free roaming spirit, people will say. But God establishes boundaries. And so what we understand is that there's going to be periods of time in which whenever you establish boundaries in your home, when you stand up for righteousness, when you teach the truth, there's going to be times where an offense comes. Two types of offense. A boundary and a person choosing then to take offense at that. The third thing I want to mention to you is is that many offenses that people take are not justified. There are some times where I guess where there are legitimate offenses. We're not denying that. I would say even with legitimate offenses... We have a choice of whether or not we pick it up and take it with us. There's no doubt that people sin against one another. There's no doubt that people hurt one another. We're not saying that. But we do have a choice. We have a responsibility. We have an ability to choose how we respond to that offense. And if you want to, there's offenses that you don't have to pick up. You know, it's pretty heavy carrying offense around all day, isn't it? It's a heavy thing. It's, it's, it's a heavy load to carry an offense around all day. And, and so we have a choice of whether or not we pick up that fence. But not every fence that we think is offense that we think is, I'm getting my fences and offenses mixed up, Lori. You're going to have to help me. Not every offense that we think is, is legitimate really is, or it's, it's really justified. There's times, according to Scripture, according to Peter, that people are offended because they're walking in disobedience. But they're so sure and so confident they have a reason for offense. One of the frustrating things is when people get offended towards leaders over their own choices and decisions. You know what I mean? They make a dumb choice. They make a bad decision. And then they look at you and are mad at you somehow because of their choice or their decision. And you're like, am I insane here? I had a friend recently, and the husband and wife, they're pastors, and they said they were talking about dealing with 
a certain situation. And they said, just sat, we sit down and talk to them. We said, are we crazy? Are we losing our mind? Is there something wrong with us? The reality of it is, is that there's times when people, they make up their own minds and they choose to do things maybe that they shouldn't or to live in ways that they shouldn't. It's like the kid who disobeys in class and the teacher says to him, now, oh, if you slap your friend, you can't go out at recess. And then he's all mad at the teacher because he can't go out to recess. It's not the teacher's fault that he can't go out to recess. That's a consequence of his choice of slapping his friend. But you have people who at times choose to walk in disobedience. And then they look to leaders. They look to the Sunday school teacher and they, they blame the Sunday school teacher. They blame the pastor. They blame the board over choices that they made. What's like, wait a minute, that's not a legitimate offense. I've said to Lori sometimes, sometimes, this is in moments of frustration. So I'm like opening the coat and letting you see. In moments of frustration, I've said, there's sometimes, I would actually like to do something to them to uh, to truly offend them. If they're going to be offended, I would like to actually do something to them so that they were legitimized in their offense. What did I do to you? What did I do? What did I say to you? How did I, how did I mistreat you? Where, what did I steal from? You know, Paul says that. Listen to Paul's writing. Paul justifies his ministry at times. And he's like, well, what did we steal from you? We didn't take anything from you. In fact, we served you, you know, and he goes on to all the things that he did. And so there's these moments of frustration and see that the reality of it is, is the people oftentimes can't see that. I remember years ago, Silk City Diner. I walk in, and there was a guy sitting here, him, there. Him and his wife had, had come to church, and they quit coming. It was one of those things where they just disappear. And here's the reality. The real story is him and his wife came. They were best friends with these other people who came. So these two ladies both end up coming to church. Their husbands come. And they have an argument. Had nothing to do with me. When Landon was being born, we're in the hospital, and we could think, you know, so-and-so is not coming back to church anymore. It's like, well, okay. The two ladies are fighting. Paul says he pleads with Yodia and Synthica, please get along. Can't you play good together? Now, the crazy thing is, I could see if, like, if I was on this person's side or that person's, they were best friends. They were best friends before they came here. And so these two ladies are fighting, And so the one lady, they leave the church because they're mad at the other person. We're in the hospital giving, Lori's giving birth to a baby. I have nothing to do with this. Okay, I guarantee you, I can promise you, I've made a lot of mistakes, but I had nothing to do with that one. Okay, with nothing to do with it. And so sometime later, I go into Silk City Diner and we sit down and I notice this guy across the restaurant. And so I saw him there and I thought, you know, they just left in a huff. They didn't, you know, we're leaving is tell other people. They don't come in and sit down and talk to me and say, well, here's the reality. I can't get along with my best friend, so we're going to badmouth everybody else and leave. They didn't say that. They just left. So I walked up to him and had had him and his kids there with him. And it might have been his father or someone. And I'm telling you about my offenses. And so I walked up to him and I stepped up to the table just to greet him and say hello. I wasn't going to ask him to buy my meal. I wasn't going to argue with him. I just walked up just as a, as a courtesy, just to be kind and say, hey, how are you doing? And then when I walked up the table, he lifts up his eyes, he looks at me, and he looks at me, and he just turns his head and looks away. Now, I know he recognized me, and there was something inside of me that said I wanted to go like a Marine on him. 
I mean, I, it, there's something that like flew through my body. I was like so stinking. And here was the problem because he had his two young boys who, whenever they came to church, his, he had two boys and they always, every time they committed, run through the door and run up to me. Hey, pastor. They'd show me the stuff that they made. They'd send me notes, do things like that. And here's this guy in front of his sons. He looks at me in the face and just turns his head. And what I wanted to say is, what did we do to you? Somehow he's offended. He's offended by us. And I have to let my offense go. Please forgive me, God. The word says to be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. So, like, what had we done? Back then, the church didn't have anything. And I remember person, this person had health conditions that came up. And the church had, I mean, we had nothing. Lori and I, we were struggling to pay to buy diapers for our kids. And the church takes money. And because he had some health problems, we took a bunch of money for us at the time and gave it to him. He didn't remember that. He didn't remember that. He didn't remember that we dropped everything, was at the hospital when they're, they're there. He didn't remember that we took time for his kids and, and talked to them. And, and all that. He didn't remember that. He was offended by something. I still don't know what it was. But I know why I was offended. I was offended because he looked at me in the face and turned his head. And I just stayed there. I just stayed there and waited until he turned his head back. You know? <laughs> I wasn't going to walk away. He was offended for some reason by me. And if I've done something wrong to him, I want to apologize. I want to say, I, you know, I'm sorry for that, whatever happened. But he was, a, see, he, he came in with an offense. He took his wife's offense against, his wife had an offense against, and you know this, if his wife has an offense against the other lady, he better have an offense. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, let's be honest. So there's these times in life. Now, don't be offended, ladies. There's these times in life where people feel, I bet you in his heart and his mind, he felt totally justified in being offended towards church people. No one did anything. It was that his wife and this woman couldn't get along. And they were not, they were not obeying the word of God is what it comes down to. They weren't obeying the word of the Lord. So they're offended by everybody else and towards everybody else and everything else. And that's not a legitimate offense. When a person has determined in their heart that they're offended, they're harder to win than a fortified city. I mean, you gotta do battle. You know, a fortified city, it's hard to get past that. And then the other verse that it says, an offended brother is more unyielding than a fortified city and disputes are like the barred gates of a citadel. The barred gates of a citadel, what they would have done is they would have reinforced their position. Do you know what I'm saying? They don't just put up walls. They put up walls and fortified their walls. They weld those bars. They don't just bot weld them a little bit. And they don't just put up small bars. They put up big bars okay, to supposedly to protect themselves. As I was praying this week, I thought about all the people who serve the Lord in this church here at Lighthouse. And even though we try to treat people right, there's a lot of times that people work very hard and don't get the recognition that they deserve. There's a lot of times that people serve in ways and they're overlooked. There's things that are said, there's things that aren't said, you know, it's, it's like there's times where it's, it's not a legitimate offense, but it would, we say it would be nice if someone would just say thank you. You know, I came in all last week and worked with VBS. 
And pastor, no one even said thanks. If we're not careful, some of those things can plant seeds of we have these expectations. I think of the people who do so many things around here and how at times those things that they do, the ways that they serve can be overlooked. Now there's a legitimate part of that. There's an illegitimate part in that if I'm not thinking so much about myself, if my thoughts aren't so much on myself, that doesn't bother me. But sometimes whenever my thoughts start going about myself, it would be nice if people would recognize what you do. It would be nice if people would acknowledge there's gifts and things that you have and and you say, well, why? That's a little bit of jealousy coming out. But why do they get recognized? Why do they get to do it? You know what I'm saying? And some of those are, there may be some legitimate offense there that if you want to, you can pick it up. It's easy for us if we want to pick it up. Think of the ladies who work in the nursery on Wednesday evening. And Sunday, you know, Wednesday evening, God bless you. God bless you, Mary. Thank you. Where's Roxanne? Roxanne, God bless you. Thank you. Pastor Joe and I get the appreciation awards and got a snowblower the one year and, and all these things. And you got these ladies who week after week work in the nursery. We kind of forget about them. We put them back in there and it's like, get the kids in here before the nursery worker can leave. You know, it would be easy. It would be easy for a person in that situation to say, wait a minute, you're always saying about pastor, all the stuff he does. What if you just say something about and two hours with screaming kids? What if you would acknowledge, isn't what I do important? And for those of you, first of all, I want to say I apologize because we want each of you to know how valuable and how important you are. We can't do ministry here without you. We absolutely can't. Your service to the Lord, your faithfulness to the Lord, the church could not do its job without your faithfulness. But if you want to, you can pick that offense up. And before long, it turns into an attitude. And then we start noticing a whole bunch of other things that are wrong. Before I was all happy. I love this place. This is great. I'm happy to be here. The funny thing I've noticed over the years is how I've had people who have literally sat and cried. Legitimate tears running down their face. And say to me, Pastor, I've never had a pastor like you who cares for me and my family. I, you know, I mean, I think they were, I think they, at that moment in time, they meant it, where literally tears running down their face. And thank you. And I'm like, I had no honor to be able to do it. I'm honored to be able to help with that. And then later, I'm just wondering, who's the guy? Where did that guy go? That guy who was so wonderful and caring, and better than everybody else in the universe. And now, because I didn't do something, I didn't agree with their point of view on an issue of disobedience, now pastor becomes the bad guy, and somehow he's wrong. How do you go from almost, I'm not saying maybe a small G God, to a big D devil? (laughs) How does a person go from there? And I'm not saying that we don't make mistakes and we don't do things that are wrong. But can I tell you where that often comes from? That often comes from a person picks up an offense. It's placed before them. Well, you didn't agree. You didn't see it my way. Um, You overlooked me. 
And before long, that offense starts to grow more and more and more. I would say this. I would say in here, in this room, with this many people, there's people in this room who have, and I used me to illustrate it, but you got people who you have offenses against. Someone who you at one time admired and loved. And now when you think about them, you're angry. Now when you think about them, it makes your blood boil. They didn't recognize me. They didn't appreciate me. They always treated someone better than me. And before long, that turns into something that you can't even have fellowship with people who you used to love. I'm going to tell you straight up, that's a sin. That's a flat out sin. And someone's not walking in love. And we'll say, it's them who's not walking in love. Where oftentimes, because we're blinded, it's us. Because I'm looking out for me. I've tried to tell our, always taught our board here. This is the relationship I want with the leadership of this church. I want to have a board who will look out for my best interest. I don't want to have to look out for my own best interest. I want to entrust you. You look out for my best interest. And I'll make you a promise every day that I get up. I'll do my very best to always take care and look out for the best interest of this church. You'll never have to doubt it. You'll never have to question it. You'll never have to wonder if I'm doing the decisions that I make will be what I feel in my heart is for the best interest. If I have to choose between the church or me, I'm going to put the church first. Now you say, well, why would you do that? Because if we're in a relationship where I'll always look out for the best interest of the church, and the board always looks out for the best interest of me, well, we're going to get along pretty good. Huh? Maybe that's the reason why I've been here 20 years, and before every two and a half years, we get a new pastor. As we close, are there people in your life who you feel with all your heart, they've offended you? Offense. I want you to picture offense. F-E-N-C-E is a lot to carry. It's a big burden. An offense is too heavy of a load to carry. And eventually, if you carry it, it's going to wear you out. And you're not going to have anything left to give. You're not going to have the energy. You're not going to have the energy to go on life, and it's going to hinder you. And so I implore you today, I implore you to lay down the offenses. To be someone determined in your heart. You know what, Pastor? It's going to be hard to offend me. People are going to have to work hard. If someone wants to offend me, they're going to have to work hard at it. I'm going to make up my mind that I'm not going to, you know, you can throw offenses at my feet, but I'm not going to just bow down and pick up every one that they throw at me. I'm going to live in such a way that it's hard to offend me. So, Father, I pray as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, I pray if it's in relationships with mom's children towards their parents, husbands and wives towards one another, something towards employers, something towards spiritual leaders or friends. I just ask that the Holy Spirit would put his finger right where it needs to be and that you would address those issues and that men and women would be walking in freedom. In Jesus' name.